It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the ACC tournament and a new documentary on the Big East. I'm Wes Chang, and I'm here with 2003 national champion Andrew Cowie, and our guest today is Ezra Edelman, director and producer of the ESPN 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East. Ezra, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Wes. Ezra, your documentary, Requiem for the Biggies, airs March 16th at 9 p.m. on ESPN. I, I loved it. I know Andrew loved it. We both watched it. Spectacular stuff, and I know that everyone watching is going to think the same thing. But what was the impetus behind this documentary? Uh, I think the impetus was, I think, I mean, I know ESPN had been interested in doing a film about the Biggies um, for a few years, and I had sort of had casual conversations with them about it, but I frankly didn't really know what the film was about a league or a conference um you know what that would be until you know sort of they approached me last year and immediately for me you know it's just like a couple months before last year's Big East tournament my first thought is oh, okay well there is a finality to this there is an end to the story in that there is a demise of this conference and you know, what struck me was that as a fan, as someone who grew up in D.C., grew up rooting for Georgetown, and someone who went to the Big East tournament as much as I could as an adult, mm. um, I felt the loss of, of what was, you know, of the conference and what was happening. And I sort of, you know, felt there was a, a place and a need to convey just what happened and connect the dots between how the conference was started and, you know, to how it ended. And that was something I felt that wasn't quite being done um, in a lot of the articles that were being written around the time. You, you you heard a lot about, you know, the nostalgic take on what the first six, seven years of the conference was like. And you heard a lot about the conference realignment and stuff, you know, the sort of more nuts and bolts of that. But I didn't really read any treatments that were sort of talking about how the one, one thing informed the other. And that's what I really sought to do with the film. Now, you speak with a lot of people in this documentary, just big, huge names of the beginning of the Big East, uh, Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, John Thompson, Jim Beheim, Pearl Washington, just to name a few. It, it, was, it, was it hard getting these people on board with it, or is it something they, they just wanted to wax poetic about because it was such an end of an important era? Uh, I think um, predominantly it wasn't that hard. I think, you know, outside of certain sort of logistical issues, you know, Louis Kardasnecki is 89 years old, so, you know, just sort of getting him was a little difficult just because of sort of circumstances. Um, but I think this is something that everyone wanted to participate in because it was such a meaningful part of all their lives, and I think that they understood, you know, what they had built with this league, and, you know, I was coming at it from a perspective of, of you know, love in terms of you know, what the Big East was once upon a time. And I also feel like a lot of them felt an emotional connection to the point of also feeling sad, if not angered, by its breakup. And so I don't think this is something that anyone sort of hid from, partly because this is their life and this is their legacy. And so why not be a part of that? It's, it's funny that you mentioned the last part about kind of the bitterness over the breakup, because the, one of the dialogues that emerges throughout this documentary is that money created the Big East and made it what it was and you know the television contract with ESPN but then money is also what ultimately destroyed it and it seems like a lot of the people talking about it 
had no problems talking about that. I, I assume that was one of the angles that you were looking for going into it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, again, you know, for me, I could be upset as a fan about what was happening and, and why it was happening. But then when you when I started to examine it further, you know, my thought process was more like, hey, Dave Gavitt formed this league with, you know, the marketplace in mind. You know, he wanted to get these schools in these big urban areas in the east, and he wanted to sort of use the burgeoning cable television industry to get the word out. And ultimately, he, as much as he wanted, you know, this great basketball product in the Northeast that sort of previously had been sort of not, you know, not able to be seen by the majority of the country, he wanted to sort of showcase that. He also understood that from a business standpoint, he had a good product that he could sell. And he knew that he could make money for the conference and for himself and for the schools. And so that that was sort of a driving fundamental principle from the get-go. You know, again, we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, they got what they wished for. So as it grew and it grew more, the, the same instinct that, a lot, you know, that sort of drove them to start it in the first place also drove them to expand it, to get bigger. Um, and to ultimately, you know, sort of satisfy the schools who played football because football means more money for those schools. And so if there are schools that are going to be loyal to their football programs because that drives the card athletically and that helps fund their entire athletic program, then that was a business the Big East was going to get in. And so in some ways this was just the inevitable result of the, of the original conceit. Now this, <clears throat> this documentary took place over, you know, lots of time. Um, basically the inception of the Big East to, you know, the end of the Big East as we knew it. What was the most enjoyable thing for you in making this documentary? You have a lot of moments to choose from, obviously, but what, what stuck out most in your mind? Uh, I mean, look, anytime you can sort of sit and just sort of engage with these guys that you sat watching throughout your entire life, if not you know, during your childhood, you know, it was, you know, it was great spending, you know, a few hours with Ed Tankney just like talking to you know talking to a friend except that like i watched this guy on tv growing up you know it was it was a completely a trip talking to patrick ewing who is one of my favorite athletes and sort of feeling like here's a guy that actually has been totally unappreciated by sports fans in a lot of ways because he's never been an outspoken guy but i sort of knew he was this really nice you know you know genial presence and i wanted to bring him out a little bit i wanted to sort of you know make people appreciate um, you know, who he was and who he is still today. But, yeah, just sitting with these coaches and just talking basketball, I mean, you know, there are there are a few people, you know, say there are a few people like John Thompson in the world. There's no one like John Thompson in the world. And so whereas that interview is a little different than most because, you know, Thompson is a character unlike no other, and he's going to be loud, he's going to be profane, and he's going to be a little intimidating. Um, but that's, so, that's quite the experience of sitting across from that guy for a couple hours. And to, watch, to talk to a guy like Louis Karnaseka, the sweetest man in the entire world, that you hear people talking about, you know, for months on end, how he was the, he was the sort of moral voice, you know, in that room of coaches. And then just to be able to finally meet him and talk to him, I mean, he's the sweetest guy you could possibly, you know, ever meet. And, I mean, and talk about full circle, you know, last year on the Big East Tournament, I had been talking to St. John's, so hoping to maybe shoot him, going to the tournament, he ended up not coming uh, last year, and it was really frustrating. And I actually didn't get to interview him for a long time and didn't know if I'd get to. And then I ended up yesterday going to the St. John's game and 
and sitting with Louie. Huh. And so that, that was a trip. That was wonderful. Ezra, what uh, documentaries do you have on the horizon? I know that uh, you've done some, some great ones in the past, obviously this Big East one, um, you know, the Magic Bird rivalry. Uh, I, do you have anything else in the pipeline? I do, but nothing I can really talk about. <laughs> okay. So I'm a little superstitious. Until they actually come to fruition, they don't exist. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, a uh, funny thing, Wes, about Ezra is that, uh, you know, obviously this uh, this documentary on the Big East about basketball, but he has a love for, for basketball because we actually play basketball Tuesday nights in the Upper West Side, you know, the same group of 15 guys. And, you know, on Monday he had his screening. And I got a, I have a feeling that that kind of watched, you know, that screening and the, the response and seeing those old clips had to inspire him because Tuesday night when we played, I think he was shooting like 80% from the field. <laughs> he was hitting threes from behind the NBA line. Like, I got to imagine Ezra just as a basketball fan and you love playing basketball that going back and watching all these old clips of these old Big East games and these classic, classic games were just kind of just, uh, just a great experience to, to watch all these. Yeah, no, Andrew, absolutely. I mean, I think that it would have been funnier if I'd come out and wanted to and punch you in the face. <laughs> you know, I, I think the physicality, you've been playing physical lately. I, I got to imagine that watching those Biggies clips, you know. He's inspired by Patrick Ewing. Yeah, he's dropping that shoulder, you know. <laughs> that's, that's right. It rubbed, it rubbed off. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, like, I mean, here's the thing. As someone who's still to this day, you know, I, I unlike you, Andrew, didn't. I stopped playing basketball competitively when I was 13 never played in high school and like it's but it's been something that's been such a joy as an adult and you know to to play and I feel connected to the game on all levels and as a fan and so on that level I mean I think that's the thing about this story sort of the strange thing about a film like this is that when you tell someone who's not a sports fan and you try to explain what it is you're like oh I'm doing a I'm doing a film about a league it just sounds boring (laughs) it just sounds and it's hard to explain but there is such a sort of, you know, if you didn't live through it, if I if I hadn't have lived through it, Andrew, if you hadn't gone to Syracuse, it's like there is a there is such a there is such a weird connection to this thing that I feel like, you know, I understood at its core having grown up watching it. You know, would people have, you know, I immediately when I started doing it, I was like, where's Pearl Washington? You know, I might have if I knew nothing about the Big East and someone asked me to do this film, would I have, you know, understood the impact that Pearl had? You know, um, you know, enough to like make sure that I wouldn't interview them immediately. I don't know. I would hope. I would hope so. But I think there is just something about being a part of this story emotionally that really helped me, you know, ultimately do the film. Because I think without that, it would have been difficult to understand the loss that has come with the, the disintegration of the conference. Absolutely. I think that's why so many people are going to love this film. Those people who love the Big East and grew up like yourself, it, it's just going to. It reconnect to them and it's going to be great for them but then all those people that watch ESPN and just like basketball but you know just are watching a documentary and they're going to sh- get a great appreciation for the Big East and that special connection so I think it's, it's amazing that it's going to work for all sports fans in general and that's exciting. I hope so. Hope so. Absolutely. Well Ezra thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on today. Again Requiem for the Big East airs March 16th at 9 p.m. on ESPN. Ezra good luck to you in the future. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for having me on. That was just great stuff from Ezra. You know, again, the documentary is just so good all around and just takes you through this amazing story and, you know, really kind of a melancholy story when you think of it. And it's that last scene that got to me, you know, that last scene where the Big East logo and Madison Square Garden is being broken up. 
um, literally and also figuratively. Yeah, no, it's definitely tough, but uh, I think it's just going to be, it's a great documentary for all basketball fans and then a, obviously a special documentary for those people, Syracuse fans and, and fans of the Big East in general. So Andrew, it's always great to have you back in the studio. Uh, uh, you, we have obviously have a lot to talk about, starting with, you know, let's, let's, start, let's start with it right now. Syracuse loses 4-5 or five to end the season. You know, they, they, they do rebound with the win over Florida State. But what are you thinking about this team right now? Where do you, where do you view this team? Well, I think if, if you remember the first time I was on the podcast, I talked about um, for one the my, season. <laughs> right, for the season. My closing comments was, you know, look at the ACC as kind of like a precursor to the NCAA tournament because teams are not familiar with us. Players are not familiar with us, how they are in the biggies. And so how, how did we do? We finished second in the league, which is great, but every game was a grind-out game. Yeah. There was no easy, really easy game out there, and I think that's what we're going to face come tournament time. I think from the opening game, everything is going to be a grind-out game. Now, we have great players and the great players with awesome composure, but I don't see an easy game for us. Uh, so that's, that's where the, the fear comes into, that any day we could, any game we could lose, but any game we can win. Let's go inside baseball for a moment because, you know, there, you've been on teams that have obviously done very well, the 2003 National Championship team, um, but then there's been teams that have struggled. And, you know, I think it was my freshman year, so it would be your sophomore year, that team that started off really well with Preston Shumpert and then ended up, you know, just going to the NIT and missing the NCAA tournament completely. How does Coach Beheim deal with the adversity? Does he get on players more? Does he back off? Does he try to boost their confidence? How does Coach Beheim approach it? It really depends on the team, I think, uh, for Beheim, because Beheim's great at, he, he knows how to read a team and, and understands what he can do different ways to motivate them. You know, with that, that year that we went to the NIT, which was the year before we won the national championship, we had a little bit more of kind of internal issues in terms of player and chemistry personalities. I don't think that's here. I think no. it seems like everyone likes each other, everyone really great, great group of guys. And it's just a matter of, for us, it's offense. At the end of the day, <laughs> it's, if you look at the stats in terms of points per game, in the, in the ACC, we're number 10. And if you look at field goal percentage, we're number 10. Right. E and even though we finished second in the league. So we know the defense is there, and the defense can be a problem in, uh, for teams in the tournament because they don't know how to play against zone if we get good matchups. It's just the end of the day is, can we make shots? Can, if Trevor, can he get hot? Yeah. Uh, can CJ get on a little bit of a run? Does Tyler have a, what, a couple games where he gets 17 or 20? And those are, those are the type of games we need to, to get past the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and into the Final Four. Let's stay inside baseball for a moment again. Uh, you know, the, there's the postseason tournament, the conference tournament. The Big East tournament is obviously always big, and now, we, now we're in the ACC tournament. But that's not the real tournament. The real tournament is obviously the NCAA tournament. Even Coach Beheim last year or two years ago was saying, well, it's important to do well in the Big East because we want to be playing well, but you know, we're just trying to tune ourselves up for the NCAA tournament. Is, is that really how we approach things? I think so, but I, I, I would imagine this might be a different circumstance because winning the ACC tournament would be a great confidence booster to the team given the slide that we've had. Mm -hmm. So um, we've lost four out of five to go and make that run and get to the championship and win the championship, I think would be a good thing. It, I, there's always that fear that you play too many games in a row, but you're, they would only play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's only three games, right. and then we're going to get four days break. So I, I think in this situation, he, he, would, he, wants, he wants to win it every year, obviously, but I think it would mean special to win the first year being in the ACC. So I always try to get your predictions, and you're 
always right when I get a prediction <laughs> out of you. How do you how do you see the ACC tournament shaking out? How do you see the NCAA tournament shaking out? They, I think at the end of the day, I, ACC. I'm, I'm not sure. I think they definitely could win it, but you know, I when, I think we, you know, it, it all just matters on the matchup, and that's same thing with the NCAA. I remember last year when I went back to school for Melo's re Jersey retirement, and I was talking with Beheim for a little bit, and he goes, you know, I really like this team. I really like our team, but if, if we get really good matchups in the tournament, we're gonna go. We're gonna go far. <laughs> Lo and behold, right? And they got great matchups until uh, they got to the Final Four, and I think Michigan was a bad matchup for them because they were good offensively. And I think that's the same situation here, is that we can get in the East. We need, we need Buffalo, that. Buffalo, New York. And Madison Square Garden. If we can get good matchups, uh, then we have a chance. My always biggest fear with Syracuse every year is the first two rounds. Because we're usually a one to two, three, four seed. And you're, so you're playing teams that have no care. Like they're just going to go out right. and play hard, shoot. They're not worried about getting taken out. Right. And so... Anything can happen. We've we've seen it happen against the Vermonts, against Florida Gold Coast University last year, right? Ex exactly. We've even the year we won it. Our our hardest two hardest games were the first two rounds against Manhattan and Oklahoma State, right. which were down by like fifteen. Right. So if we can get, that's why being in Buffalo would be amazing. Get past those that first two rounds, and then I think it just matters if we get a good matchup. And I think we can we can beat any team, but I wouldn't be shocked if we lost the first round. So. The big news today to shift, shift topics is the ACC tournament, Pete Thamel reporting Syracuse alum that uh, the ACC tournament may be shifting from Greensboro up to Brooklyn to the Barclays Center in 2017 and 2018 after they uh, finish out with the Verizon Center in 2016. That, to me, seems like huge, huge, huge news because the biggest thing, what made, if, you know, going back to the documentary with Ezra, what made the Big East was Madison Square Garden and having that tournament on a national stage. Now the ACC wants a northern presence. Them bringing this tournament up here seems to be huge, not only for the ACC, but obviously for Syracuse. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great for every Syracuse fan uh, to get back to New York. Uh, I think it's awesome going in there. Obviously, I, I, you know, Madison Square Garden is a special place, just from a basketball fan. So it can never be the same as that, in my opinion. But you're going in the Brooklyn. It's still Brooklyn has a special uh, meaning when it comes to basketball. Pearl Washington. So, uh, absolutely. So I think uh, it's only it's it's good for Syracuse and it and it's good for recruiting. Yeah. Because we we always focus on you know your the top point guards in that New Jersey, New York, a lot of great players in that area. So anytime we can come to New York and now you have the ACC tournament, they're coming the games. You're feeling the buzz of Syracuse. We're always going to be a predominant team that gets a buzz in that in that area. Uh, so that's I think that can only help us. So, Andrew, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts, uh, it's, it's just uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed for this uh, tournament run. Um, I'm nervous, but I'm also excited because I think, uh, I think there's, a, there's a chance we can get back to Dallas. And I think going back-to-back -back Final Fours wow. uh, be would, be a, would be special. Uh, my closing thoughts are on the Georgetown Hoyas basketball team. Uh, they were eliminated in the first round of the Big East tournament on Wednesday by lowly DePaul. 60 to 56, and they will definitely miss the NCAA tournament. Interesting stat for you: since 2007, when they went to the Final Four, they have not been to pass the Sweet 16. So they have they have been either eliminated in the second round, the first round, or this year they haven't made the NCAA tournament at all. Craziness. So it's 2:24 p.m. and Georgetown still sucks. <laughs> that's it for us. For Andrew Cowie, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I want to make a jigsaw puzzle that's 40,000 pieces, and when you finish it, it says "Go outside." You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.